0: August 3rd, 1905, the Daily Press, Dayton, Ohio. Giant skeletons in the gravel pit, dry bones of a man of abnormal size unearthed by workmen near Dayton, had great lengths of arms, had probably been in earth for centuries as bones crumbled when air struck them. Skull was long and narrow, indicating cranial deformity. May 25th, 1882, the Omaha Daily Bee. A giant skull found, a St. Paul special, reports a remarkable find of relics of mound builders in Red River Valley. The only deposit yet found of this extinct race in that region is a skull of immense proportions, a singular formation. The skull is a perfect specimen and shows conclusive evidence of a race of giant natives. Today's guests have combed through articles like these in newspaper archives for proof of our lost history of giants in North America along the way finding evidence for far stranger things than even giants. I'm Mystic Mark and thank you for tuning into this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast with our guests Ark and Neo from the Digging for the Truth podcast. Ark is also the man behind the intro song heard at the beginning of this podcast. You can find his rap music by searching Destiny Lab.
1: there was a uh, missing whole truckload of human heads that was stolen and they couldn't find where this these truckload of human heads went but it makes you think because the uh, skull and bones actually have a ritual called the obscene rite in which they have to eat a human pineal gland and you think why would they have to do, eat a human pineal gland? Well. I found some information as to possibly why so going back even more ancient you know the egyptians have the cobra coming out of the forehead oftentimes or a beehive type shape coming out of the forehead the hindus have the red dot in the middle of the forehead of course as well as ash wednesday that the 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 catholics do with the, the ash on the forehead jewish rabbis use a square block uh, leather block attached to their foreheads called a tefala. And this is, you know, a practice of actually, and they put little prayer notes inside this tefala. A person who shaved their head on top, like the the monks with a circle, you know, could that have something to do? Or the wearing the yarmulke, all these practices of cutting the head. And does this also explain something going back to trepanition, going back to ancient skulls that they find? And so many of these skulls are not only head bound to make the elongated skull but they also have holes drilled into the head. And there's some occultists who have re practice this trepanition practice of drilling holes inside their head because they believe if they have somehow bring air or light into their their brain cavity that that makes them connects them back to god just like a child with a a soft spot on the top of their head that a child that's why they have the soft spot is they actually are getting some sort of spiritual information that goes directly to their pineal gland through their head
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we are here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Joining us someone who I owe a big, big thank you to. His name is Ark. He's the man who created the intro song that you hear when you listen to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And if you like the sound, if you like the music, be sure to check out Destiny Lab got a YouTube channel. He's also on Spotify. They sell CDs. I own a couple of them. Genetics is a producer. Couldn't make it today, but his co-host Neo and brother is joining us as well. Neo, welcome. Ark, welcome. Can you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves and your podcast for those who may not have heard of you before? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, Neo is my root, my true brother that I, I grew up with and we grew up kind of into the same kind of things studying the same kind of things at a when we were teenagers we discovered a ritual satanic site which got us kind of exploring all this kind of <laughs> weird, weird, weird off the wall stuff and and on the same pages, wanting to kind of expose this kind of stuff and you know and and then i got into on my own making music with Genetics, who's who's my partner. It was Destiny Lab that I make music back in the early 90s. Started making music and then used to be just, you know, regular hip-hop music and then eventually through like doing a lot of research and investigating into kind of the new world order aspect of things, the paranormal, eugenics, transhumanism, the alien deception, the fallen angels the Nephilim. All these things are kind of subjects that I talk about in my music and also subjects that Neo uh, and myself are interested in. So we decided to start our own little side podcast called Digging for the Truth with Ark and Neo. So that's kind of a side project that Digs deeper into the same subjects that I talk about within my music with Destiny Labs. So, all one big happy family. So yeah,
2: yeah, and uh, yeah. This is Neo. Don't have the video going, but yeah, we we also I come from a, a biblical perspective to talk about these things, especially with the insight the Bible talks quite a bit about giants and genetic manipulation, which is. Not very mainstream, but when you really dig into the Bible, it's pretty clear and apparent that the Bible is talks about some very ancient things with uh, genetic manipulation and it's coming back. The Bible predicts that by, you know, John, the revelator on the island of Patmos, pathos and everybody knows the book of revelation. So there's a lot of insight that you can find from the Bible, from these topics as well,
0: undoubtedly, yeah. and, and people have. Heard Destiny Lab before, like I said, they were kind enough to create this awesome intro song that you've heard at the beginning of the My Family thinks I some Crazy podcast, and a lot of what inspires this music comes from that perspective you guys are are blending the conspiracy knowledge with what I would consider a pretty grounded spiritual perspective grounded in the biblical teachings how how much of the bible do you think people because you know nephilim and things like that maybe people have you know read the bible and seen those words but i doubt you know many truly understand the significance of this do you think this is uh you know an average christian understanding of the bible you guys share definitely
1: not i would say it's a definitely a fringe more, uh, subject, which is why, you know people like ourselves who are independent I think are, are very important for, for researchers like ourselves because the, the churches aren't talking about it you know you go to a regular everyday church they're not going to bring up the Nephilim or you know how it's connected to alien deception and the new world order eugenics and transhumanism I mean that's just too controversial for most churches I mean even the music I talk about you know there's no Christian label that's ever going to sign my music it's just way too off the wall so every Everything has to be done independently and but we feel that's important you know it's you know there's so much disinformation out there nowadays and muddying of the waters of truth I mean, you can look up the nephilim or things about the bible and most of it's just nonsense you know most of it's fake pictures and you know giant bones and all the stuff that's obviously fake so that way when People who are interested in this stuff, they look at those things up and they're like, oh, this is fake. You know, I'm not even going to look any farther. Right. And that's kind of what I believe they want you to do. The, the people who keep these things secret don't want people to know. And so they put out this mudding of the water so no one can really find their way to any clear information. So and that's why we study old information, too. One of the things that you know we want to talk about tonight is uh, neo started a page called Old Newspaper Stories on Facebook a few years back, and we he, he started by dissecting all these old newspaper stories about giants originally, and then I started looking into other research into the pineal gland, Bohemian Grove, secret societies, and it's incredible some of the information that we've uh, pulled out, and so that's kind of some of the things that we want to talk about tonight.
0: Yeah, and let's get into that because for folks who may, uh, you know, be new to the show, I have had you on previously, Arc, you were a guest on episode 16 or 17. I always forget the exact numbers going that far back, but folks can go back and, and hear a little bit about, you know, what inspired you to go on this journey and, and the types of questions they can expect from the podcast. And I, I want to focus on what you just talked about because I know that it's not just adrenochrome and you know killing babies it has it has a lot to do with what we're dealing with today, and I'm not dismissing those two things. I think if you know, behind closed doors, it's bound to happen as far as we, you know this covid hoax and the pandemic that we're living through, if I'm not mistaken. There are some connections to this as well, you know, going back to the Nephilim and, and biblical times. I remember a news story about Hillary Clinton trying to, you know, get information about Nephilim DNA a couple of years ago. I wonder if that, you know, factored in with the Moderna Pfizer trials, if they were finding out if people had Nephilim DNA or not, but yeah let's get into it. Where does this subject really start is this uh is this something that you guys came across while doing research for the podcast or is this something that you've just been aware of and and are now taking the time to to study in depth?
1: No, this goes way back we We were investigating this information you know back in the in like i said the late nineties. Early two thousands, I know Neil probably even back farther than myself because he's older than me. So, but we were listening to people like Chuck Missler, Ken Hovind,
2: and you know who 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 are you listening to? Well, there I I think the the first guy, at least from a, a Christian's perspective, that dug really back into history was a guy named I.D. Thomas, yeah. and he wrote, wrote a, a great book called uh, Cosmic Conspiracy, which goes into A lot of the stuff which ties more than just Nephilim, but it ties in the the alien deception where demonic forces and and, and really ancient what pagan people worshipped as gods would change their appearances throughout time. But the things that they did by deceiving people was the same. So. If you look back at, at the fairies, the, the the trolls, the the different things, the vampires, the werewolves, all throughout history, there's been times where strange creatures have appeared to people. And, and, and today the narrative is aliens. And we're kind of on that, but th- there's so much information coming out too that it's possible that these aliens could have bodies and, and technology from this genetic manipulation. But when you dig back to some of the dumbs, the deep underground military bases and some of the things that were found at least reportedly by some of the people uh, inside of these dumps is that there's been some encounters with creatures that resemble the greys which could be uh, genetic hybridizations that are still alive today and they've been living in these recesses so there's a lot of strange things that, that go on in the, and the and the bible talks about some some other things like the the lion men of moab and a lot of people don't know about that that they were apparently half lion, half man. So a lot of strange things like that, that are alluded to maybe in one verse, but we don't have any other information. So then you need to start connecting history with that and see if there's any other historical facts or going back to other books, maybe some of the the, the books of the Islamic faith, they, they go into some of those things too. And it's really hard to track things down today because like you said, the Hillary Clinton talking about finding DNA of Nephilim, and you, you've probably seen the picture of John Podesta with a, uh, a number on his hand, and that goes back to resurrecting Osiris, I believe, as well. So these people around today believe in these ancient gods, and that's who they're worshiping. So the, the things that happened thousands and thousands of years ago with the Babylonians, the Egyptians, are still around in these secret societies. They're, they're, they're worshipped some very strange creatures, and they seem to always go after children, like you alluded to with the adrenochrome and the sacrifice of children, the moloch and bales, and things like that are still, in essence, happening in our view. Even yeah. go back to the, the, orig- the original stem cells is for the coronavirus researchers from something called HEK-293. And H-E-K stands for human embryonic kidney tissue. And the Bible talks about one of the evil sorceries that's done is those that look at the kidney and we, we kind of pondered, what does that really mean? We we couldn't quite figure it out, but we think we might have a connection with what, how they got these kidney samples of this H-E-K-293, what they had to do with this baby. And they had to do with at least... 293 that was the 293rd attempt is they had to have the baby be born alive and without anesthesia because it would slow down the blood flow and it would damage the kidney tissue they had to remove the kidney from a live baby outside of the womb to make it viable and this again comes back to that that we think this is more ritualistic where they're tying in technology with the sacrifice of human blood and that seems to be one of the, the the main things of these ancient religions as well, as they tie child sacrifice, gaining more knowledge, gaining more information. And we think, at least now, that that might be the tie to this, and it's and, and that's the foundation, that's the bedrock of all this coronavirus, which we now find, like you said, is more about transhumanism, depopulation than you know saving mankind or extending life. You know, they may claim that that's what they're going to do, but I'm not. I don't really believe them that that's their ultimate
0: goal and i would concur with that i think that's well said and i was just recently checking out david whitehead the truth warriors work and he's been working with michael cesarean and kind of showing this occult through line that is i would say and i think they put this pretty plainly the origins of our medical science. It has its roots in alchemy. It has its roots in sorcery. It has its roots in, you know, this folk craft, right? Working with herbs. And that could be very benign if you're using it the right way. If you're using these plants, you know, for their actual energy. But what happens is they end up breaking them down alchemically, turning them into these innocuous white powders, and then, you know, selling us these chalk pills with a little tinge of of, you know, some kind of energy in it, but really feels like it's more of a vessel for this virus, this mind virus, really what it, I think it's, it's more appropriately termed, but what have you guys found when it comes to the biblical connections or the ancient connections to what we're seeing today, this medical occult cult? Well,
1: it's you know really fascinating. Is if you go back to the Book of Enoch and it talks about the fallen angels, the the actual beings that fell from heaven directly, that had sex with females to create the Nephilim back in the days of, of uh, Jared and the pre before the flood, and it talks about and names them by name in the Book of Enoch. And it tells what specific attributes that they brought to to fool mankind. And not all these things are necessarily evil in themselves. You know, one of them brought metallurgy, one of them was Semyaza. What's very fascinating is Semyaza brought both witchcraft and pharmakia. Pharmakia and witchcraft was basically looked at as the same thing brought by the same fallen angel and so you know in this you go back and look at ancient cultures who have the you know the rituals that they do with a shaman or drumming or incanting incantation spirits you know to heal people you know this is the same thing nothing is new under the sun this is all the same thing but it's just repackaged throughout time and we believe from a biblical perspective that these fallen beings are very patient and they're very smart at, at fooling people and they know what foundation in order to make things believable. And so if you go back to, say, just, ev- you know, the start of evolution, when, when the idea of evolution came around, that idea had already been around for thousands of years, going back even to the to the Greeks and and uh, Romans, that they believed, you know, ideas of this something coming from nothing or that we were born from lower animals. And this was almost like a more of an occult kind of a belief because it made the idea possible that mankind could ascend as well. If if we came from a lower species, well, that means we're getting better and better and better. And so they actually were teaching people that, and the idea of when eugenics came around, they were saying... Well, these lower people that we're allowing to breed now, this is actually going to reverse evolution. And it's only going to be a few generations before these people will become monkeys again. And so they were scaring people with these tactics before World War II. And then once Hitler... We found out Hitler was basically doing this exact same thing. And then he was the enemy for trying to create the Uberman or the Superman through eugenics, the same thing through you know, gene manipulation and, and, and just using the highest genes and then killing off everybody else who was not worthy or didn't have the right bloodline then that made you know eugenics the bad word but if you look at the actual people the families the darwins the huxley's and then you follow the progression of this julian huxley who was the big you know his grandfather's a big eugenicist and then followed those same traits. julian huxley then invented the term transhumanism he invented this word because eugenics was kind of a bad word and so they needed a new terminology and that's where we got the word transhumanism is from these same groups of people who have always tried to perpetuate the idea which is a occult a a new age luciferian doctrine basically it goes all the way back to the original sin if you eat of this fruit ye shall be as gods that's what satan has always tried to trick people to believe that they could become their own god through some sort of secret gnosis some sort of ritual works some sort of whatever they got to do you know kill babies whatever it takes to to live forever and not face the judgment of an almighty god they they will try to make it happen and this this has been the plan since the beginning and from these newspaper stories that we found we can uncover this as actual facts and show you proof and evidence of it
2: yeah it it's interesting that you said also you know talk about eugenics being in pretty old and it's it's uh uh also the foundation of racism you said that hitler see he believed he actually taught kids in school that there were and and showed charts to the children that the the jew was the closest to ape and then the black and then the Slav, and the asian and only the blonde-haired blue-eyed was was the uberman's the superman and but really, what they were doing, they were actually looking for, uh, I believe, uh, Nephilim strains. They actually went into the Tibetan wilderness and were measuring people's uh body structure and things like that because they thought they could find a living person with some of this genetic material and start breeding them together. And most people uh, know about the breeding program that they had in Germany with the best genetics that they had at the time. But, th- but th- this process of humans getting better has been around for a long time, like uh, Ark said. And what's interesting, the, the, what we believe too, is that the reason that the Nephilim were so much larger in the ancient world is because our genetics were so much better. They were more pure. And scientists today are admitting this, that we're far, far too complex for evolution to changed from one species to another and our genetics are not getting better. They're getting worse. We're having more genetic defects. We're having more problems. And in the past we had actually better genetics and through these mutations, we're not getting better. We're getting worse. And now they've come up with a term called panspermia. You've probably heard of that term where we were seeded by aliens and they were actually our, our fathers and our creators. And through predictive programming, we're seeing that all over in, in media and entertainment. We're, we're seeing this as, as the new wave. I think they're going to probably say evolution, that's not what happened. We were seeded by aliens. And we're kind of seeing some of the precursors of that.
0: Indeed, yeah. yeah. And it it definitely brings to mind, you know, these abduction stories where people are being experimented on. I've read a book Uh, recently by Walter Bosley, who talks about this breakaway civilization of Germans in the United States using airships before the UFO was really seen in the sky. But I wonder, you know, how much of that German influence is still present here in the United States, you know, we have operation paperclip, we have that eugenics movement which clearly shifted here to the united states you see the tuskegee experiment i mean bill gates father or mother was a part of Mm -hmm. uh eugenicists sort of groups and organizations you know there was this whole idea with phrenology that you can study the the size of a skull and determine you know how smart somebody was or even what their personality traits would be and it kind of also brings to mind this sort of relationship with the native americans and reservations and their stories of being abducted as well you know i i don't know for certain but i would imagine that there's possibly a good case to be made in their you know genetics or a connection with the nephilim given all of the mounds and the giant skeletons did you guys come across uh, anything like that while searching through the newspaper archives? You know, this sort of finding large skeletons, or were you focusing more on you know the Nephilim as living beings? Or, or
1: you Neil, know, you you kind of uh, started the whole uh, search with the giant skeletons, so you have more of a background in that. But yeah, yeah, you know, he was. We were searching for you know real real uh stories of real skeletons being dug up for the most part. So, you know, show and Neil can pull up a couple yeah. to talk about maybe.
2: Well yeah, you know, and there's been there there's the Vera brothers who had the 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 program that talked about the giant skeletons as well. If, if some people have seen that, I think it was on History Channel or something like that. And they dug into a lot of this stuff too. But there's I think there's real stories and there's also some disinformation where people were just trying to sensationalize things. I think we have to be careful going back to newspaper stories, but I think there definitely is some real things that happen. I think sometimes they were digging up dinosaur bones or just misidentifying bones. But I also think, especially when they have artifacts with them or they're found in mounds, like you say, and for for example, like here, here's a story from Oregon. So... In Oregon, on, along the coast, there's a story of an ancient shipwreck, and this is back in, I believe, in the late, teen, late 1600s, and there was, a, they, there was a ship that landed at the head of the Salmon River, and there was an Indian tribe that lived on that area, and the Indians said that white guys and one gigantic black guy left the ship with treasure, and There was 40 people on the ship, they said, and 38 of them went into the wilderness and never came back. And the two guys that stayed back to guard the ship were the black guy and the regular white guy. And the black guy was very, very large, the Indian said. And so this kind of sparked uh, attention because of the gold. People were looking for the gold, not necessarily the skeletons. But here's something interesting. So most people discounted that story as just being uh, a legend. Was it real? But archaeologists from Oregon State University in the early 1900s, while they were excavating on this uh, Salmon River estuary, they not only found the ship, which is, they found the mast of the ship, which is very old, out about 14 feet of of water. They also found these mounds of, not necessarily mounds that were built, but they were called where they, the Indians would place all their shells and basically like trash heaps. And in these trash heaps, they found two human skeletons. And one of the skeletons was gigantic. And this is at the exact same place where this story of the gold and the the giant black man and the other one were found. And apparently when some of these Indians tribes that were still around in the early 1900s were interviewed, some of the people still remembered the story being handed down that there was a, a giant and they killed the giant. And they buried them in those, in those uh, pits. And this kind of corroborates that, they're, that some of these stories are true because we found the physical evidence of this. Now, here's the interesting thing. That skeleton was on display at Oregon State until the Smithsonian took it. And this uh, Robert Horner's museum, which is still on the campus of Oregon State University, is still there. But those giant bones are gone now. And so we only have reference to them in a, uh, several stories and, but they really describe it as kind of a side note because more people are interested in the gold that was apparently buried from the ship than the
0: skeleton, but we're obviously more interested in the skeleton. Undoubtedly. Yeah. That's, I mean, one of many of these amazing stories from that time period. And when he started talking about the giant, I was sort of reminded of this story of uh, Magellan, right? One of the first explorers from Europe in South America, at least in written history. And one of the first encounters he had with any inhabitants of South America was with what they described as a as a giant who was dancing as he saw their boat, you know, kind of approaching the shore, throwing sand on top of his head and, you know, doing all kinds of interesting things maybe to get their attention. And I believe they ended up either taking him aboard and trying to bring him back to Europe or maybe trying to see if he would come along with them on their travel. And within a few days of being on the ship, he ended up passing away. But I might I, I, I'm i almost certain that the word Patagonia comes from Madagascar uh, Magellan naming it, the land of the giants in in Spanish. Now we see this, you know, very popular clothing brand, you know, all over the place with the land of the giants on people's chests. you know, it's, it's interesting how these things sort of make their way into the culture, but yeah, it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's. More than a coincidence when we see the Smithsonian turning up this often. I mean, this yeah. story and uh, countless others seem to conclude Smithsonian arriving. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's like the common denominator. When you start seeing these universal overlaps to stories that where people didn't even know each other in, you know, their space at different times of bar different states and the same conclusion. The Smithsonian shows up. For and to take this in bones for study and they never were seen it again, coincidentally. So, but that's one of the things that's always, you know, so fascinating about these old stories is yeah, some of them may be a little bit some of them may be outright lies, some of them may be made fantastic so they can sell the papers or whatever. But when you start seeing these universal things, then it's like, okay, this is worth investing a little further and at least we know that it's not it's not uh corrupted by today's fake news you know at least it's going back to another time where they are corrupted by all this outside influence that we have today that corrupts so many ideas they they're going from more of a you know just making a story fantastic to sell a paper but you know we've made Podcast about the idea of same thing of dinosaurs or dragons you know dragons throughout time I and mean, this is something universal through every culture worldwide through every time worldwide and they are described as giant dragons and there's all these and you know stories of this there's stories of the worldwide flood and so when you see these universal storylines that gives you pause to then consider these things hey We may not have the exact story, but this shows that there was one
0: probably universal story where it did start in some sort of truth. Right, right. And you mentioned dragons. What comes to mind in connection to us as human beings is the cleaning. We're often, you know, given descriptions of our spinal cord energy, whatever metaphysical culture it is, you know, they tend to interpret it as either a dragon or a snake. And, you know, to bring giants back up, we have these stories of cyclops, which seem to be maybe pointing towards our third eye, aka the pineal gland, which is also at the top of our our spine there. So, you know, sort yeah. of like the head of a dragon. Have you guys looked into? to, I know you mentioned that in your notes, what are the, the connections between Nephilim and the pineal gland?
1: I found some incredible things, you know, going back to studying the most ancient ideas of, you know, who was first historically talking about the pineal gland, at least that we have information on. It's pretty interesting because you go back and as far as to Galen, and Galen was a uh, a guy that lived in the put my notes here real quick. Sorry, lived in from 129 A.D. to 210 A.D., and he was actually his writings were actually based off even more ancient writings going back to like probably like the Library of Alexandria and and people before that time, and he was talking about the the pineal gland being the seed of the soul and during those ancient times, they were doing some creepy, you know, type of uh, Nazi type of experiments where they would take live prisoners and experiment on them and, and dissect them alive to find out how the body worked so back in these ancient times they actually knew quite a bit they didn't it was more cause and effect they didn't fully understand um everything but they did know more than, than i think that we realize and getting credit for and this information was passed on a lot of times through a cult and uh, secret, you know, secret means were put within the symbolism of stories. And then we go to René Descartes, who lived in the 1590s, 1650. He was talking about how the pineal gland was, he was talking about how it has brain sand in it. And we know today that it doesn't have these liquid crystals that people claim is you know the calcification of the pineal gland, but it looks to me that that's actually a natural part of the pineal gland, to where these liquid crystals actually can change form and shape to act like an antenna, just like a crystal antenna acts within the within the mind that the pineal gland somehow can change its liquid crystal shape inside itself and receive information, or uh, I don't know if it can send information, but it can certainly we somehow connect with interdimensional type things and spiritual things. And, and I don't think we completely understand that, but of they, like I said, they, I think they had the cause and effect of it. So they were seeing, you know, the experiments of these things and what it, what it turned out to be. And I found some really interesting... Hey,
2: hey, Art, real quick, here's something interesting. And I've been thinking this, but I tried to buy a crystal radio you can't find them on Amazon or anywhere. It's almost like really? they're not like, cause I remember playing them as a kid, you know, oh, you mm-hmm. can tune it in. It's almost like they don't want that technology out right now. And I don't know, maybe you can, but I looked on Amazon, I was, I was looking all over. Wow. you can't. so maybe I'm off on that, but that was just something when you talked about the pineal gland and crystallization of maybe being, tuning into something like the crystal radios, you know, it, it tuned into some type of frequency. <laughs> It just, it just kind of struck me when you said that, that maybe there's uh they're suppressing little technology. I don't want people messing around with crystal radios, right? Yeah. Now. Yeah. Maybe I know they've
1: changed the frequency of music. There's a lot of people that that believe that 5g and some of these other frequencies are definitely changing people. And we know that sound can change uh matter, you know, through the shape of, of changing the, the sand or, uh. Structure on top of a speaker. I can't remember what that's called. Uh,
2: not harmonics, but um, there's Tesla for a cymatics. 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 cymatics there you go. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Now that's interesting too, because I have it connected that Rice university in 2016, they were able to use a new technique called Tesla for to, uh, self-assemble these nanoparticles, these carbon nanoparticles that are in the, the mRNA vaccines. If mm. you look up test the phrase; these things are self-assembling into circuitry. It's unbelievable. Using sound, okay. it's using no, it's using it to test the coil and magnetism, oh, which is again, which is another you know, it's another force that has a, a wavelength and a yeah. and an oscillating. So it is it is a form of an oscillation. But it's there's a lot of things. That I uh, yeah, I'm thinking of some things that you guys are bringing up that are just came out recently, and they're using these with the uh, with the. Vax, the so-called vaccines as well, you mm. know, especially the 5G. We've heard that that is supposedly what they're using these uh, these particles to do the mass experimentation to further their transhumanism yeah. Movement, which is, I think, it's the fourth industrial revolution, according to Klaus Schwab.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. You will have nothing and love it. <laughs> All right,
0: and, and this in connection to, you know, what these medical groups you know hospitals colleges universities what they're doing you know it's a resurrection of these black magic experiments that they were doing in those ancient times you know to them anything under the skin was mystical you know you only saw that sort of thing when someone was losing their life potentially or maybe in a war so you know this whole science of medicine has a really sort of dark origin i mean specifically it connects to a lot of what i've been researching about skull and bones and their potential connection to grave robbing practices yep. right Where's a very yep. famous story about geronimo's grave being robbed but you know at that time as a medical organization university they would have needed cadavers maybe they could mm-hmm. have used a group like this to smuggle them but that's another conversation for another day where else does this connect to the ancient world
1: you know real quick you know speaking the skull and bones you know they recently there was a uh, missing whole truckload of human heads that was stolen and they couldn't find where this these truckload of human heads went but it makes you think because the uh, skull and bones actually have a ritual called the obscene rite in which they have to eat a human pineal gland and you think, why would they have to do, eat a human pineal gland?" Well, I found some information as to possibly why. So going back even more ancient, you know, the Egyptians have the cobra coming out of the forehead, oftentimes, or a beehive type shape coming out of the forehead. The Hindus have the red dot in the middle of the forehead, of course, as well as ash Wednesday that the, the, that the Catholics do with the, the ash on the forehead. Jewish rabbis use a square block, uh, leather block attached to their foreheads called a tefala. And this is, you know, a practice, of actually, and they put little prayer notes inside this tepala. And this has some sort of, I don't know if it's a Kabbalistic connection or some sort of ancient. You know pineal gland connection but these are just some things i've noticed a person who shaved their head on top like the the monks with a circle you know could that have something to do or the one in the yarmulke all these practices and covering the head and does this also explain something going back to trepanation, going back to ancient skulls that they find and so many of these skulls are not only head bound to make the elongated skulls but they also have holes drilled into the head and there's some occultists who have re-practiced this trepanition practice of drilling holes inside their head because they believe if they have somehow bring air or light into their their brain cavity, that that makes them, connects them back to God, just like a child with a soft spot on the top of their head. That a child, that's why they have the soft spot is they actually are getting some sort of spiritual information that goes trickly to their pineal gland through their head. And once your head sutures, then you are cut off from that, you know, connection to the higher source. But these are all sort of, you know, maybe uh, nothing to have concrete information about but more ritual type things. Now, some of the things that I found going back to the most ancient stories, I found a story back from 17, from a guy uh, that had a firsthand account that seemed to accidentally come across a letter of a group of what he called learned men from a secret society that were were using what they called uh, philosopher snuff to access the pineal gland or seat of the soul of other people. And that they would take this snuff inside their nose and be able to go have an out-of-body experiment experience and pick who they wanted to enter the body of and then experience all these people's memories, and, and uh, fly through the air and do all these types of things on this philosopher, philosophical snuff or philosopher snuff. And we forget how popular snuff was back in the 1700s and way back then. But this was a, an actual storyline that a guy talked about of that a group of secret society of learned men were doing at that time. So
0: that uh, in, we'll in light of the flying carpet stories. stories and whatnot, I mean, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's really interesting. And then I found another story from 1894 that connects the third eye giants and
2: the occult. You know, I just wanted to talk about the, the how the old newspapers, how Congress did us kind of a favor because about 15 years ago, they sent out all these high-speed digital scanners to all the uh, libraries, all the newspapers, all throughout the United States to preserve our history through newspapers and they're not censored. So we're going back, you know, the internet, you can't find stuff that you used to be able to find They're just, they're taking it off Mm -hmm. in real time. And I think it's going to get even worse, but this is still a treasure trove of information that is not censored. And you can look up things like if you go to the uh, Chronicle in America by keyword searches and they go all the way back, like, like, uh, Ark was saying all the way back to the 1700s in in newspapers. So it's a fascinating uh, endeavor to look through these. Oh yeah. You got to shoot. Okay. Yeah. you Let- see
1: this picture on screen here? <laughs> see this giant guy here with the third eye open. Can you see this? And then, all the many people below him that are beneath him, those are the peons. So, this represents the elite, theosophical occultist elite. And these are the peons of of haven't quite evolved. And this is what it says it says, uh, going to the story here, it says, men will be big when the sixth. Race is born to life. A new theosophical belief, 33 feet will be the average height. Three eyes for human beings. The vulgar clothing will be discarded in the new utopia. Although of about recent development, is not origin not or, or origin the doctrine of theosophy has been become sponsor for some very startling theories and ideas and this goes to helena blavatsky's uh writings of isis unveiled where she talked about this and she says and it says that basically i'm going to pull up my other notes here because i have notes on just the good stuff of this thing but i wanted to show you that picture of the third and it says people would be 33 feet tall
2: you know that's an well, interesting so, number. Yeah, right, <laughs>
1: interesting number that they picked there. Oh, what a coincidence, you know, that they right. uh, picked this number. And uh, pull up my, where did my, where did my email go? It's
2: very, yeah, that's an very, you know, they had artists' renditions of these things, and it's amazing how how they would tell the stories. And and a lot of times, most of our stories today are so censored and and, and hidden. But back then, a lot of things, they just came out and told it what these secret societies are really doing. So I think you get an insight that is kind of lost and has kind of gone underground, even though I think they're starting to pull their head out again, they're starting to show that what they're really about, especially in our age now with, with, their self-described new world order and calling themselves the elites right
1: yeah so here's it says uh, william key judge the distinguished and assertive theosophist of new york has become a very pronounced view of the sixth rates his personal appearance and characteristics he says that men will be 33 feet in height and they will wear no clothing the theosophists of believe in America will see the first development of the sixth race because here are gathered people from all nations of the globe. The amalgamation of the different people here on the here is more complete. It has held the preparations of the coming of the new race have been going on for quite some time. Mr. Judge thinks that the first batch of this new race will be looked upon as being eccentric, cranky, and abnormal, but they will soon be the majority. So, you know, sounds interesting What the, you know, off the wall people are, the cranky and the abnormal people who can't laugh at jokes, huh? They say that the first race was not divided into men and women and the individuals had two spinal cords and that the in the sixth race when the race is approaching the perfection upon the globe individuals will again have two spinal cords and the seventh race sex will dis- disappear altogether so here is showing against again the trans movement the idea of making this androgynous being that is neither male nor female, possibly the two spinal cords probably represents the Kundalini spine and the regular human spine. I'm, I'm not pausing about that, but I'm, that's what I'm guessing. Mr. Judge thinks that the individuals of the sixth race will be 33 feet on average. They will have a third eye just above their forehead, which possesses ever so much more power than the eyes now have. we have. They will appear in luminous atmosphere, personal to themselves, discarding trousers, waistcoats, shoes, and frocks and bonnets. And, and it talks about, let's see here, meant while the stature of the coming will be enormous, its weight will be little more because the matter in which it will be is more refined. Indeed, all matter will be refined and the specific gravity of the individual will be nearly what it is at present. Most grossness will be eliminated. So it's all it's all this idea of, you know, there's this grossness of the poor and wretched people of below and the, the elites of above, and that we must refine and, and create this elite group of people. You know, it goes back to the proportions. An individual will be almost perfect, probably almost like the canons of Greek art. The muscular strength will be as much, much less than a present, for there will be no need for it. Individuals have broad open foreheads with no wrinkles even when they reach a thousand years of age they'll have a magnificent they will have magnificent large eyes the prevailing color of which will be blue so racist much you know so you know all this stuff is, is interconnected to the same kind of ideas and i right. um, and this is what we believe transhumanism is eventually leading us to repackaged as this thing that's, you know, all nice and and just, you know, helping Mother Earth or whatever they're going to say it is, or, or working with our alien brothers who created us. And are going to come up with some sort of, some sort of you know, storyline. And we have, we found stories about another, you know, other people talking about the, the third eye back in the 20s the idea of glands was like super super big and they were saying that glands could like solve all problems and if we could just like turn like basically take the glands of young people and put them into older people they could live forever and sort keep rec- rec- you know return wow. this process over, and over again so i've got a really and, amazing and we know story that.
0: you know the chakras each correspond with a gland in the body obviously we're talking about the pineal gland some Yes, Pretty inex- interchangeably known with the third eye, but the crown chakra is the parietal gland. The throat chakra would be your thyroid gland, I believe, mm-hmm. or whatever's in the throat. And then your, your heart would be your heart chakra because the heart is a gland in its own right, I believe, if you can classify it. Uh, as such, or or maybe there's a gland next to your heart, and the, as we go down the chakras, I sort of lose track. But I know the kidneys. Curiously, the adrenal are the next, glands. Right, the the kidneys are the, the 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 what is it the sort of uh, sacral chakra, which connects mm-hmm. back to what we were talking about before mm-hmm. with the kidneys.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that a lot of ancient cultures would take the the uh, body parts like the kidneys out of people or out of animals and then read them and they would spread these these kidneys all apart and they would use that in a way of divination so that's another thing that's fascinating now here we go here here's how they start connecting science to these theosophical and occult beliefs so here we go. This is the most amazing, one of the most amazing articles I've ever found. So it says, a food that does away with youth. Remarkable discovery that may about glands in the brain that may enable science rapidly to turn children into men, chicks into chickens, calves into cows, to sate more's appetite for meat and men. And so it talks about, in one of H.G. Wells' books, The Food of the Gods, he conceived of a magic food which made giants of men. And animals and and vegetables. So, you know, H.G. Wells, of course, being a prominent Freemason that wrote about all kinds of predictive programming that we're facing today. And so he probably knew about all these plans that we were trying to uh, push these things. So basically what this guy was doing, he was taking pineal glands out of baby animals And grinding them up, dissecting baby animals, taking the pineal glands out, grinding them up into a powder to create a pill, feeding them to other baby animals, and this turned them into giants. And here's a photograph of two chicks, each two to three years old, the large one having been fed on pineal gland. while the smaller one was maintained under identical conditions with no pineal gland administration. So this, after eating the pineal gland, grew to two to three times the size. He did this with every animal you can think of, dogs, cats, guinea pigs, rabbits, uh, pigs, cows, and children. He did this with children, and he did this because he thought that he could reverse what they called the backward children. So, a child who would have some sort of mental deficiency, they were feeding them ground-up baby pineal glands. And he says here, in the in the story, he says that it's only the young that. that Uh, seems to work only the pineal glands of the young and the babies seem to have this effect when we take the pineal glands out of elderly things and feed that it doesn't have this miraculous property so this goes back to thinking about okay the giants of old the bible tells us that these giants were cannibals as well and they would cannibalize humans You know, you go back to the story of zombies, brains, 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 you know, what, what is it that they're going after? Were they literally going after the brains of humans to feed on, you know, baby humans or, or just humans in general. And this is why they became giant. I speculation. I have no idea. I just find these things very, very odd. These things are connected.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Check out the picture there. You got there too. Yeah. So here's
1: the picture that he shows. Says. Victims of Moloch into the open and fiery jaws of a monster, presenting war. Millions of submissive slaves are meekly advancing, accompanied by ignorant multitudes, and carrying and carrying the produce of their labor. And so, it just has these people marching in the mouths of this Moloch statue, a fiery mouth, basically, you know, into hell. And it's attributing this to war. Now, this is where it gets really creepy. He says here. While children who ordinarily would not be old enough to fight for their country for 10 or 15 years, maybe, perhaps, he developed, they may be perhaps developed so expeditiously that they may take an active part in the war within a year or two if the conflict lasts that long. So he's basically talking about taking babies, feeding them other babies, ground up pineal glands to grow them into soldiers to go fight off in the war. I'd only like, you know, with the minds of babies, but the bodies of full grown men. <laughs> so now the, here, here, here's another interesting thing. I found a uh, talk by Manly P. Hall, where he talks about, an M.A. P. Hall, if you know him, he was an ape, uh, an occultist from back in, the, that lived, I think, up into the, from the, maybe the 30s to the 70s, I think. And Manley P. Hall basically was saying that, pull this up so I can get it right, that he claimed
2: that there was a... And he's a Mason? Is that what Manly P. Hall... I'm sure no, he, he, was, was, he was.
0: He was a, a cultist. I he know. was an esoteric scholar. And after he wrote what he wrote, the Freemasons approached him and gave him an honorary degree. I think his like what's left of him is known as the Manley P. Hall Philosophical Research Society so there's sort of a his own group that's almost a secret society in its own right but he was sort of a theosophist occultist who gained the respect of the freemasons because he was just a brilliant researcher and author
1: so I, I was listening to this, it was actually him speaking on a YouTube video, and he says that he was talking about that there was a story of a, of a six-month-old baby that grew up into a full human at, the, at only the age of six months of age, but had the full understanding of an adult. And he later died, and they did an autopsy on him and found that there was a tumor on his pineal gland that made him grow into this giant man. And uh, not only did he grow into this man, but he had the intellect and understanding of a full-grown man at only six months of age. And so there was this idea that it is not time that creates age and intellect. It is something connected through the seat of the soul and the pineal gland. You know, and, and it's interesting to think about like how animals age, like a dog at the age of 12 years old will be, have you know, be old and decrepit and limping around like it's 80 years old, but it's only been around for 12 years where a 12 year old human is nowhere near that age. So if it's just time that ages us why do things age at these different rates and could it have something higher to do that we have no understanding of and is this possibly why have to do with why people in ancient times describing the bible lived to these extreme ages you know these are more questions I, i can't explain but i it makes you go hmm you know
0: right yeah i know it sounds like uh That was what they're attempting to do is just grow people with this pineal gland fertilizer in this really demonic sounding way. It really makes you wonder with all the additives and the word soup that they use to name some of these things, how many of these weird, you know, I don't know, cannibalistic things are going on under the radar. You hear all these stories of all kinds of mystery meats being served in various places and whatnot. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I found stories, and this is mo- not just one or two stories. I found multiple stories on these things that can, are connected. Here's a story called Backward Children Are Helped by the Medicinal Use of the Pineal Gland, where it talks about feeding pineal glands to children. And, and supposedly, this is making them smarter and becoming smarter and smarter. So it makes you think, well, maybe this is why these occultists eat the pineal gland of people because they think they can somehow you know, eat their soul or some sort of creepy idea like that. And then I found another story in 1915 talking about how eugenics, talking about how horrible people should not propagate and it shows all of these lists of kinds of people, according to Julian Huxley and in, in the, in the Huxley family, that who should not propagate. And, and this is all through the eugenics movement. The eugenics movement was huge in 1915. They were at every county fair event and it was accepted and people were thinking it was an awesome idea until Hitler came around. If what Hitler did, didn't do, did, he didn't do that in in, in uh, Germany, it probably would have eventually happened here. And, uh, and now we're facing facing the sec- second term of that with this transhuman movement. And here's a story called the, the men's wild oats will produce a race of human thoroughbreds urges perfect woman from 1916. Here's a story that talks about brunette and blonde women and the reason that they have different type of personalities because of their pineal glands. And that, you know, their pineal glands were different and that made, you know, blondes more, let's see here, pineal glands were smaller and produced net less pineal gland juice. So this made, you know, the blondes more flirtatious and and dark haired women more like angry. And so I had this whole breakdown of all the, you know, how women act based on their pineal glands. And I found a story talking about Charles Lindbergh and the reason that he had, such bravery is because he had a giant pineal gland. And uh, Do you think,
2: have you guys heard of Noah Yaval Harari? So he's the uh science, He's the science advisor to Klaus Schwab and the and the new transhumanism mu- movement. They actually call him the prophet. But I'm wondering if he's drawing on a lot of this old stuff uh, because he's talking about these same kind of things today. Noah Yaval Harari, you gotta. It's unbelievable what this guy is saying. The, the media's not covering it, but you can find him on YouTube talking about that humans are hackable animals. And we're gonna look back and, on uh, history and the, the vaccines are gonna be the moment in history where uh, mankind will evolve to a, new, to a new level and free will will be gone. You know, he's saying all these things that the World Economic Forum are trying to adopt And I'm wondering if it's just, it's just a continuation of this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what this is presented as the most high end, newest scientific stuff. I mean, here's this, this article says, philosophy of eugenics and its practical side. And it says, by this method, which is being supported and taught by the world thinkers and prominent educators, the hope for universal brotherhood of man will be assured and hastened. If on the contrary, this method should fail of adoption, it will require but a few generations until the present trend will bring us back to the state of uncivilized man. And if the theory of evolution is correct, back to that monkey stage of existence. So here they're claiming, like, unless we do this, you know, all these, you know, people that we're allowing allowing to breed that are lower humans are going to bring us back to this monkey stage of existence. So again, using these scare tactics to scare people into, uh, adopting these type of ideas. And, um, it, it's, it's just amazing that this was presented as science, you know? And the, the other thing we found is dozens and dozens of articles on the Spanish flu. And how, back in nineteen uh, nineteen, nineteen twenty, they were trying to get people to wear masks back then as well, and how people would re- people would basically refuse, and then they would change the the laws because all these people quit their jobs, you know all these you know different people who were waiters and waitresses and barber shops and stuff. They said, "We're not going to work unless you change this law." And they changed the law to make uh, masks a choice.
2: Yeah, and amazing. I've, that same article later there was a story that talked about how the masks actually caused about seventy percent of the deaths because it gave a secondary lung infection. So they actually died of bacterial infections, not the, not the Spanish flu.
1: Yeah, here's a. I'll pull up a story real quick. The only mask, only doctor that survived was the one who did not wear a mask. It says here, check this out. This is history. We're not making this up. People think we're making stuff up. Here, Here is a uh, historical evidence to what we're saying here.
0: And, it's and, just a and folks listening on YouTube, I can guarantee this is not gonna be up for very long. So be <laughs> sure to subscribe on Rockfin or a podcast app. What are you doing? If you're only listening to this thing on it's YouTube, gonna... you're really, you're, you're really late to the game. But keep going, gentlemen, this is indeed the good stuff.
1: During the height of the influenza scourge, one of the battleships in Yorktown Harbor lost through the disease every medical officer on board except one. This man, it is declared, was the only one of the officers to refuse to wear a protective mask while attending patients. So, (laughs) take it for what it is.
0: Right, and History. I've even I've even heard several people mention this being almost a cyclical thing, where there was you know a hundred years prior to this an outbreak of a similar sort, and even during the you know early days of the colonies, uh, Philadelphia had a similar sort of thing going on. I think in the seventeen early seventeen hundreds, and and they blamed it on you know what was going on in the city there with this sort of new. Sort of uh, burgeoning way of life, you know, living stacked on top of each other in this new.
1: Yeah. So this one, flu mask order <laughs> repealed by city council. Bar- bar- barbers no longer need for face ornament. The provisions of, and this is in Pendleton, uh, Oregon, restaurant men were confronted by trouble from employees. The provision of Pendleton's new floor ordinance requiring restaurant waiters, barbers, dentists, and workers in a number of occupations to wear flu masks while engaged in their work was repealed at a special meeting the city council held last evening. This meeting was called by proclamation of Mayor Vaughn, and the proclamation stated the meeting was called for the purpose of repealing that part of the ordinance providing for the wearing of the masks enforcement of the ordinance threatened to close a number of the restaurants and dining rooms through the refusal of waiters to wear the masks and quitting their jobs rather than to do so. The doctors of the city did not uphold the ordinance. In fact, themselves were refusing to wear masks and the restaurant workers and others required to wear them, used this as a leverage taking ground that it was not proper requirement. The trouble yesterday, however, was, precipitated by the arrest of Lewis Pinson of the office lunch for failure to wear a mask since the repeal of this case will, since the repeal this case will be dropped. So there were not only stories of people refusing to wear masks, there were people being arrested. We found stories of people being shot for wearing masks I found a poem that they that somebody wrote back then kind of shaming people that wouldn't wear a mask. I've got an article talking about the Freemason Freemasons and the Freemason Hall basically being the place that is creating and sewing the masks. And so it's just some weird connections, you know, that
0: well, and it almost works. feels like there's a script that's playing out. they're anticipating yeah. these events ahead of time knowing that for whatever esoteric reason wearing or donning a mask every hundred or so years does something i mean wow this is this is incredible i don't think i've seen this this being talked about at all i mean i've heard similar things about you know the influenza outbreak but nobody talks about this how the masks i mean I'm curious to know what my great-grandparents did, you know, living through this time period. I wonder if I'm following in their footsteps if they refuse to wear a mask. Hard to say, man. I mean, it's Uh, it's just interesting how history repeats
1: itself and, and how these things, there's nothing new. You know, here's a story, the glands that make us good or bad. And this is featuring, once again, Julian Huxley, an Englishman named Julian Huxley prove consequence conclusively by experimenting with tank, a tank full of Mexican tadpoles that an extract drawn from the thyroid gland and injected into these quaint through the backward little reptiles would immeasurably accelerate the growth of certain organisms. The French Voronoff, who was another, he's another uh, scientist who was into all these bland things, had already proclaimed the thyroid gland was the seed of all life. And that there was no scientific reason why life couldn't be indefinitely prolonged in the worn-out thyroid and were continuously replaced by a new one. Where are they gonna get these new thyroid glands, you wonder? Yeah. And how uh, to explain that. Wow.
0: <laughs> and it it does feel like, you know, they call the tadpole backwards little reptile, but it does feel like a very backwards approach to this sort of thing. You know, they're they're looking at maybe ancient books talking about what I would assume are the metaphysical qualities of these things, and taking a very mechanical, physical approach—you know—it's like instead of thinking about how they can nourish the thyroid gland, they they wonder how they can replace it once they've abused it to the point where it can't yeah. function anymore. It's like, well, what, well, why don't you just study how to keep it healthy in the first place?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and they were speculating as well that it's what made you good or bad. Here here they have a picture of a a gal stealing items with people watching behind the scenes saying it was her thyroid that made her steal. You know, it was her thyroid gland that made her steal. So if we could just take these, you know, prisoners and, pre- and replace their thyroid glands, do some experimenting on them and see see how I can change change their uh <laughs> their goodness into, into or their badness into goodness. It's just, it's weird, weird stuff that this was presented as science of the day and that this is just forgotten. You know, this is just a hundred years ago and no one wants to talk about these kinds of things. And it's just been buried in our our history but that's what's so great about that. These, I, these words have been, you can now key wor- search for keywords. So, this used to just be on that microfiche type stuff. You'd have to go through hours and hours of, of articles to find something. Now, you can actually look something look something up by keywords, words, which allows us to find some of these stories that no one has probably seen in over a hundred years. I actually, when I first found this information, I sent a message to Rick Warren. Like Rick Warren. He's the guy that did the, I think that's his name. He's the guy that did the documentary on Netflix about the pineal gland. And he's supposed to be the foremost authority uh, on the pineal gland. And he said he never heard of anything, any of these stories, uh-huh. anything about people feeding, eating pineal glands or anything like that. So.
0: To add maybe, um, go ahead, Neo, I'm sorry. Oh, no. I, I was just going to
2: say real quick, I'm wondering you know, we, we've got all these stories that we've got these bioweapons labs in Ukraine, all over the world now. You wonder how much they're really doing uh, genetic experimentation on these things, you know, especially in light of what they knew 100 years, years ago on these types of, of elements of transhumanism. That maybe the real experimentation that's going on is in these weapons labs that kept secret from us for decades
0: yeah. Yeah. Who knows what they're doing. Right. I was going to say a sort of anecdote I heard being a resident, uh, former resident of new Haven for some time. And uh, there's this story of skull and bones. And like you said, the obscene ritual, I wonder if we can get into some more stories like that, because I've heard them cutting up a heart and eating each of them eating a piece of a heart. That's sort of seems to resonate with what mm-hmm. you mentioned. But a little a little more like the Aztec, you know, sacrifice. That's what came to mind when I first heard that. But mm. the pineal gland, wow, I wonder if wonder if there's any, you know, groups out there that are doing this currently. I'm sure there is. It's gotta be. I well want- they're not gonna make it public.
2: That's for pressure. sure. Right. <laughs> You wonder if it's connected to Crow. You know, we yeah. heard inklings about that, even though they're not admitting it. Uh, a lot of people are, you know, you, you can look it up. I, I'm pretty sure it's a
0: real thing. Hunter S. Thompson uh-huh. talks about it and yeah. alludes to it in that uh, movie that they made from his book. But I'm sure yeah. he, he has much more detail on it in his book itself. But yeah, the movie kind of even... It's uh, reptilians too, you know. You have that scene where everyone in the casino is a, a lizard.
1: Yeah, he's not just making it up. He's getting this information from somewhere, you know.
0: Right? Yeah,
2: Jim Jim Caviezel has a has a film coming out called the the I think it's called the Voice of the Sound of Freedom, the Voice for can't remember, but it's about child trafficking and how it's the second largest uh, smuggling business in the world right now. Millions of people being trafficked, and he talks about Adrenochrome and how kids are being trafficked through the dumbs and and through these evergrand And this is all this is a real guy that's in the he's a he, he's portraying a United States special agent that goes after child traffickers, and it's the story of that. It hasn't came out yet. I don't know why it's been done for over a year. It's kind of strange that they're kind of holding up. But I think in light of all the Disney stuff and the things that are going on with the child trafficking i think they don't want this to come out but it talks about these things too and they're really doing it they're trying to hide a lot of things from people yeah
1: yeah no doubt i mean i think if they can especially on children you know all these kids that end up missing you think they're being kidnapped by you know serial killers they might be being kidnapped by government agents and and put in underground bases, doing, you know, having monkey glands and putting in them or something, who knows? And,
0: you yeah, know, let's let's look at this story here. It says that this woman was considered feeble-minded. She had the, the cognizance of a two-year-old as a 19 year old, and they decided they would try to put a monkey gland in the back of her neck.
1: Yeah. Uh, so basically push. they found this girl what's what's sad about it is it says that they actually the child was found three months ago in a basement of her home where she was lying in an old mattress covered with filth and vermin she probably would still have been there had not her sister cut school one day and gave the excuse that her sister was ill so the teacher went home and discovered the patient and now and so then they decided oh there's a nice girl to experiment on she's you know, basically, like uh, you know, retarded girl, or whatever they call her, feeble-minded, and but she was obviously treated horribly by her family, just put in the basement, given no no uh, connection with people, so they thought, well, perfect person to experiment on, and so they took the monkey gl- gland out of a monkey, and it says he hurried up. Then to the child's side where he worked so faster, the gland was implanted in her neck and the wound sewn up carefully. Mary was then wheeled off to the room. And then it's funny at the end. But when when came the question of where to get a monkey, a search was made for organ grinders. Balboa was found while picking up pennies for his master. Scores of scientists and welfare workers have been interested in the case, but it fell to the lot of Balboa. While skipping lightly to the music of a hurdy-gurdy to step forward from the hinterland of evolution and contribute his thyroid gland. Now Mary will be able gradually to acquire the intelligence of one of her age, the scientists believe. Of course, she will have to be as any two-year-old girl would, would, but she will learn, and that's what is wanted. All that part of the drama is unknown to Balboa. He of course will die, but his thyroid gland will live on, and that's worth something. <laughs>
0: wow. Whoa! <laughs> wow. Yeah. No. And I'd love to. Here, could you go back and just get the name? Because I'd love to search and see if uh Idaho Republican, You know what? What this woman? Uh, what her life came to be? But yeah, that's that's incredible. Yeah, organ December 13th, grinders. Nineteen twenty. What? What are organ grinders? Are these it's people? He the, who the
1: corner and he he, he s- spins this little thing that makes a sound, and the monkey jumps around and,
0: huh? and dances dances. Uh-huh. Money. <laughs> I'm thinking it like was, bodily organs being, a, you uh, know, in context of what we're talking about. I'm no, like, oh actual- gosh, what's that?
1: an organ grinder, it was an actual
0: instrument and you turn this wheel and it would make, make music. Okay. Okay. That clears some things up. I got a much darker (laughs) picture initially. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) Wow. Wow, man. Yeah. And, and, you know, this medical scientific, you know, establishment now is considered on par with a religion you know people use the word the term scientism now to describe the way people have just blind faith and even the scientists themselves you know you wonder how much of of this you know sort of secret technology secret medicine they have access to and maybe that's why they're so willing to do these inhuman things i mean do you think that maybe these underground bunkers have like a, a another race of beings that are using this type of thing, or or maybe they're just another you know a breakaway civilization of human beings who are you know using this type of stuff to you know keep themselves alive underground. Well,
1: that's that's like a whole new uh, podcast itself, and talking about the, on the <laughs> Hollow Earth and talking right. about you know you know uh, Neil was talking about how they, the the uh, Nazis went to, to Tibet to try to actually find a porthole or interest to Shangri-La and connect back to these ancient Nordic beings that they believed lived within the hollow earth. And the actual Viril society or the Thule society I mean, was actually using telepathists—these women that had this long hair that they thought was their antenna—to download information from these supposed giant Nordic beings that lived in the hollow earth, and they were downloading actual technical data and blueprints of how to create flying UFO crafts that then were that were done in in actual ancient Sanskrit type writing that they didn't even know what they were writing they had to bring in an interpreter to even interpret this automatic writing from these ladies that were downloading this information from these entities and then they use this information to actually create technologies you know and it, it makes me think about the movie contact with with what's the gal's name where they they got some information, and it was it was how to the schematics of actually how to build a machine, a time travel machine with Jody Foster, yeah, and and that's that's kind of what they did in Hitler's time. Supposedly, is you know, there's all these ideas that they had UFO crafts, and if you dig deep enough into it, it it goes back to actually the Hindus, because Hindus supposedly were creating these UFO flying crafts as well. Back in ancient times, and it claims that they were actually piloted by mystic people who used their third eye to make this craft fly. Mm-hmm. And that's why these, that the Germans couldn't do this in mass is because they didn't have enough, I guess, people that had that, that uh, mystic that skill mystic skill to be able to fly these crafts with their third eye or open on themselves up to these entities to allow this to work, whether this uh, technology was.
0: It reminds me of uh, the descriptions of the Kecksburg UFO, the, the UFO that crashed in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, and people who were on the scene recalled language, you know, writing on the side of the craft that they had never seen before, mm. you know, and we hear word of this Nazi bell, the Kexberg UFO was shaped like a bell. Wow. I mean, it kind of, you know, makes you wonder, at least for me, if these entities they're, you know, interacting with are sort of like parasites, you know, using these, you know, unwitting whatever, whoever decides to start communication with them to build the technology that's necessary to manifest this being maybe it's a non-physical interdimensional what have you make it manifest in the physical you know we hear mm-hmm. about the fallen angels and their jealousy of us for being you know created by the creator them having some sort of you know deficiency they're lacking something that we have whatever that may be i don't know off the top of my head But it's, you know, considering Antarctica, South America, these underground bunkers, the Nazis and their similarity to today's military industrial complex in the United States kind of makes me, you know, wonder what the heck is going on. Have we been invaded? body snatcher style you know there's a, there's there's an interesting
2: story that came out from an organ man named phil schneider i don't know if you're familiar with phil schneider
0: yeah i've, so, I've had a couple of people recommend a, his work to me recently so please tell us
2: well this is the guy that he was a i guess a geologist who was working with the dumbs the dumb stands for deep underground military base and apparently they use lithium to Bore out these giant tunnels underground, and it and they, they it makes a glass smooth underground tunnel, but it it needs to be through different types of rocks. And this guy claims that he that they encountered some entities underground in the United States. and he said that they actually a ray came out of one of them, and it, and he and he sh- shot off three of his fingers and get him got him in the belly, and he killed about twenty soldiers that were with him. And then this guy has spoken. There's video that you can watch and he is missing his fingers and he does have damage from something. So it leads credibility to his story. And he did work for the, the government. He was a geologist and he was speaking in the mid nineties about all this. And there's quite a few videos. You can see the kind of VHS quality, but he talked about uh, a lot of these things back then. And then like so many of these people, he ended up dying, apparently killing himself, you know, like we hear sometimes, but it's an interesting thing to, to, to get into. And some of the, the, one of the biblical narratives, that's just that we've recently discovered is corroborates some of the things that we, that are talked about earlier with technology, having a, an agreement with these aliens to get new technology. And there's been talk that maybe Eisenhower had an agreement that said, you could abduct so many people per year, as long as we get the nuclear technology, as long as you get this higher technology for transistors, because all this technology that we've gotten seems to come out all at the same time. And it's really sped up in the last 70 years, but the Bible talks about this. There's actually a recent verse that a lot of people didn't even think had anything to do with these things until, until the light of some of the things about this Phil Schneider and, and some of the military people that, that apparently that said that the people will make a covenant with death and hell. And this agreement will be in secret. It'll be a refuge. It'll be a, under the falsehood that we've hid ourselves. It's kind of, it almost sounds like this is from the book of Isaiah, if someone would like to read it, but it's, but then it talks about later that The creator of God will, it says the covenant with death will be disannulled and your agreement with hell shall not stand when the overflowing scourge shall pass, then they shall be trodden down by it. So it's almost like there's going to be a war with these entities is what it sounds like to me. And it kind of adds credence, at least from the biblical, from this ancient, you know, 3000 year old prophecy that Isaiah saw Because a lot of time, you know, if you know about biblical prophecy. These guys are seeing visions or dreams about things, but they don't understand them. So they try to to describe them the best they can, but it sounds like there's an agreement made with something under the earth because that's what hell and Hades is to them is something underground and kind of a strange verse to be in there because it doesn't make any sense unless you put it into light about these deep underground bases and there's possibly entities underground there that might be giving us new technology.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Strange, strange stuff. Ark, you look like you have something to add there. Uh, I just,
1: you know, there was one more story that I wanted to talk about. It's just off the wall, crazy. This would be a good one to close on. And it doesn't really have any pictures, so I can just read it. You don't need to do screen share, but it says, and this is from 1902. It says, a woman's curious mania, a worm which penetrates the pineal gland, causes remarkable hallucinations. And it says, Miss Freiberg, the, the woman this happened to, delighted in sweet peas and roses. And he, her year, her rear yard was a garden of these flowers. She was so accustomed to gathering great armfuls of them at times, would bury her face among the petals and the vague yearning to lure her, her identity and the love of these fragrance. And, and in this way, it is said that she contracted a disease that resulted in insanity and received her death glow from the very beauty she loved. Missus Freeberg, a short time ago, commenced to feel acute pain in her head. She consulted a physician who made an attempt to diagnose her case and failed. All remedies that were applied afforded no relief. And finally, when the pains grew more severe, other physicians were called to consultation. Later, she became the victim of hallucinations. And while at no time violent, the form of insanity was of a most peculiar nature, although never a student of of peology or archaeology, she seemed to live in a prehistoric age. See, she saw before her and described perfect and strange species of animals and birds, the former of order of dinosaurs and mastodons. Many of these corresponded with those described in geologies, the skeletons of which are found in museums but large numbers were such as had never been heard of. It was though she was living on another planet, but since the post-mortem doctors have come to the startling conclusion that she was mentally carried back to the prehistoric age, and they are now setting down all they can remember of the strange case of the benefit for the benefit of science, the post-mortem examination disclosed a small worm in her pineal gland, or third eye, and the which is the supposed seat of the soul. The theory is that the insect was inhaled from the flowers and from the nasal organ worked its way through some, some way into the bone of the skull and finally reached the pineal gland where it died. The doctors are working on the evolution theory which is now generally accepted, and that the pineal gland was in ages gone by a third eye in the human head. In Miss Freiberg's case, this gland was abnormally developed and the presence of a foreign body caused pronounced atavism, which I think is like, you know, seeing things. Uh, She finally lost the use of her ordinary senses and gained ones which have been lost to the human species for countless ages. The irritation caused the worm on the nerves of the third eye. It is believed carried impressions. This is what's interesting. It is believed that this worm carried impressions to the brain of the surroundings when that organ was in use. It brought back to the woman memories of all ancestral fears and battles of primeval life and the long and tedious process of the development of the human family. She often saw before her an attempt to converse with strange, invid- invisible beings. She would occasionally repeat slowly a few words in utterly unknown languages, as though she were saying them after someone. Her sense of smell was intensely acute. The s- sight of the animal that she fancied to see in her insanity, and which her talk was now believed to be the image of a mammoth, and she had great fright. And it goes on a little bit more, but it's just incredible, man, that basically says that because this worm was of a earlier evolutionary age and it was, you know, one of the earliest forms of life that through its mental capacity brought these memories into her pineal gland and allow her to see back into the past of these evolutionary age ages, but pretty wow. incredible story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You have to definitely factor in the bias of those guys based on what they're working on. But I love it. Yeah. It's absolutely. I mean, you know, at first I'm thinking, are they saying this thing's a psychedelic worm? But now I guess (laughs) through resonance, you know, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty advanced concept for people who are, you know, we're thought to have, you know, kind of surpassed so far intellectually, if anything, I think on an average, we've gone in the decline because if that story made its way into the newspaper today, how many people would even read it, let alone talk about it, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They were more open to all the possibilities back then, you know?
0: Right. Well, Ark, Neo, this has been a fantastic dive down many different rabbit holes, and I appreciate you guys sharing what you have shared. There's a lot left on the table to talk about but before we go, please let the listeners know where they can follow up with you both. And of course, it is not Cypress Hill who made the intro song. It is this man right here, Destiny Lab. So please go check out the rap group that is Destiny Lab. They're on all the places you can listen to music. But tell them yourself, guys, where, where can they follow up with you?
1: Yeah, if you like, if you like uh, Mark's intro here, come definitely check out our music. It's like old school. Hip hop sounds kind of like Cypress Hill, BC boys type music, but we talk about all the paranormal sucks information we've talked about tonight. We dig deep into these subjects and, and we've been investigating these things for over 20 years. So it's it's an interesting, very unique approach to investigation and research. And our whole goal is to just be a link in the chain. And, you know, I don't want people to believe me or believe Neo and what we're seeing. We want to spark other people's interest to go ahead and investigate these things for themselves and have independent study and, and go to places that can be Actually, you know, actually be, you know, used and not be f- full of disinformation, you know. So there are still some areas out there of, of where the muddies have not been, the waters have not been muddied so much. So definitely come check out the music at destinylab.com. There are links there as well to our podcast, Digging for the Truth with Ark and Neo, which is available on most, you know, iTunes and most uh, podcast links. And check out our YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash Destiny Lab, where we have dozens and dozens of YouTube videos, that's what we're probably most well-known is through our, our YouTube videos because the subjects we talk about work well with visuals as well. and We have some incredible videos that expose these things that we talk about. So thanks so much. If you, anybody is interested, you can save 15% right now on all, all of our stuff at destinylab.com. If you use the code word MERCH, M-E-R-C-H, all uppercase merch, you get 15% off. So Thank you so
0: much. All Right on. Thank you so much, Neo. Thank you, Ark. And yeah, please go to destinylab.com and YouTube. Of course, all those links will be in the description. Either way, thank you so much for being here, folks, and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. Yes, another episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And for all the YouTube commenters, I'll answer this question the last time. I'll say it for the third time this episode. Destiny Lab, today's guest, Ark, created the intro song for our podcast. Not Cypress Hill, not some underground rapper. Well, not just any underground rapper, but destiny lab so if you like the intro song you'll definitely love destiny lab be sure to check out their music they got a bunch of albums out and of course ark and his brother neo have a podcast called digging for the truth so go and subscribe to that as soon as possible big thank you to them for joining me today and sharing all this obscure historical information, things that are just left waiting for us curious minds to go and find in the dusty newspaper archives. Luckily, only a keyboard stroke away. Just type in Chronicling America and you could just go ahead and type in a keyword. I use the Chronicling America to look into Skull and Bones further and I found a bunch of interesting, interesting Articles talking about all things skull and bones. As for the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, a few changes. I'm going to start doing the spirit animal names on a Patreon only podcast, and it'll be a little funner that way. We'll have more things going on there for the patrons only uh, games, guests, who knows what else we'll do. I want to include the patrons and the people who support this show while we're still on patreon i do plan on switching that eventually but for now patreon works and that's where we're at anyways we have a telegram that you can join and that's for patrons only and then also all of the illuminati confirmed episodes are on the patreon so far we've recorded eight illuminati confirms only six of them are published on the rss feed but two of them are already out on the patreon plus eight bonus patreon only illuminati confirmed episodes with just the boys just me juan and chris and they are fun hilarious i just finished editing a bunch of them that were hiding on one of my sd cards and they're all there now so people who are subscribed to the patreon already you got a nice treat you could binge through some funny illuminati confirmed episodes and for everybody who's new to illuminati confirmed it's just a laid-back interview show where we put the heat on the guests and, uh, and take things into a realm that maybe most interview podcasts don't so that's What you can expect to find if you're hearing about Illuminati Confirmed for the first time. And then the Patreon side of it is where the gloves come off. Juan, Chris, and I talk about, you know, what really makes us tick, so to speak. And especially when it comes to the guests, you know, we have conversations with some really interesting people. And then those conversations carry over onto the Patreon. Anyways a lot going on big shout out to everybody who signed up on the patreon we got a new member of the best friend book club thank you so much for joining the best friend book club michelle thank you michelle for joining the best friend book club we will have a book out to you at the end of the month anyways that does it for today's episode of the My family thinks I'm crazy podcast 420 is this week big shout out to all my stoners out there get nice and blazed and listen to some episodes of the my family thinks I'm crazy podcast and if you want to smoke one with me sign up for the patreon because we're doing a 420 patreon blaze up meet up on zoom so sign up to the patreon and get the zoom link we're gonna do that in the evening so people on the west coast can join in too uh, people on the east coast might need to stay up a little late but that's cool i'm a night owl i'm recording this a couple hours before it's published so if you're listening to this what up hello a couple hours in the future or maybe you're listening to this way distant month or years from now if so hello how different am i have i changed much who knows time will tell maybe your life's changed too. hit me up on the telegram tell me why your family thinks you're crazy leave us a voice message i haven't gotten any voice messages i don't know maybe i'm just not seeing them but if you do send one on the telegram make sure you at me so i see it and uh maybe also leave a little note saying hey this is for the show because I do want to include as many of you as possible. Leave me a voice message. We'll play it on the show. I'll respond to it. It's a lot better than me stumbling through your questions and reading them. Uh, although I'm not the worst reader. Oh, and another thing for the Patreon folks. We have a audio book there. I'm calling it the Acid Book Audio Trip. That's all I'll say you like tripping. If you like Illuminati confirmed, check it out. It just published right now. Anyways, a lot of stuff going on. Be sure to support the My Family Thinks Some Crazy Podcast in all the ways, whether it's Patreon, which I talked about a bunch, Rockfin to get all the video content, merch. Check it out. It's on the website. We got some awesome merch. And then of course, I love your generous support with a one-time donation. Still got to fix that car transmission. I'm not close to it at all, although many people have donated. I appreciate all of you for your support. We're still a long ways away uh, from the number that I need to fix that car. So we'll see what happens, but I don't know. Hey, if you know anything about cars or car dealers, or if you're a lawyer, uh, maybe hit me up too. Anyways, that does it for today's episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mystic Mark. I love you all so much. Thank you for listening and have a great moment wherever you are in the now.